This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. We are in week two of a series that we have called Write It Down. So everybody should have a piece of paper this morning. I believe they were on your seat as they came in. I want to make sure that everybody has one of these today because as the name of the series suggests, we want everybody to write some stuff down this morning. Now, I know some people have committed never to write anything down in church, but we're trying to break that tradition uh, in this series. So if you don't have a pen, there's some in the seat pockets in front of you. And then I think our ushers also have some extra pens if you don't happen to have a pen. Uh, So please get that piece of paper out and get ready to write some stuff down, have a pen ready. And then we will start our uh, message here in a second. Now, the reason I'm having you write some stuff down, you know, we're very used to taking notes now on our smartphone or our device of some kind, but it is actually different when we use paper and pen. It actually scientifically has been proven that it affects us in different ways. Uh, writing helps us to retain ideas better and it stimulates our long-term memory. Now, as we say long-term, I'm just reminded of something real quick. Hey, it was my parents' 56th anniversary yesterday. <laughs> 56 years and they made it and they still love each other and it's good and they're such a great example to us and i know my sister and i are very thankful that they uh for their life and longevity together um if you're new to the church he pastored the church here 20 years uh before me And he did a great job, a great example, and he's been a huge blessing to our church, even if you just showed up today. So I just wanted to honor them today. Um, Because when I said the word long-term, I thought about them and being married. (laughs) So when we write some things down, it helps us to understand your thoughts and feelings better. Now, we know many people journal things about their lives, and that's very good to do because it helps you process your emotions. Uh, Something uh, writing things down does is it boosts your productivity, So this is good for workers and managers, um, not just to have, you know, a a to-do list on your computer, but also something that you write down um, actually helps you to be more productive. And then one study has shown um, that writing writing things down actually helps your conceptual application of that idea. So that's the idea of write it down. We're going to write a few things down. And we'll see how important they are here in a second. So let's turn in our Bibles to Habakkuk chapter 2, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. And as I said last week, it's that area of your Bible where the pages stick together. Uh, After the major prophets are all the minor prophets. And Habakkuk is one of those. And we see here in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I will take my stand and watch my post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. And that's the idea of this series is that we are wanting to know what God is saying to us. In the fall, it's kind of a new season. The kids have gone back to school. um, And not only the season changes uh, with the weather, um, but we're in a new season of life always. That God is always taking us forward in life. Life was never intended to stay the same or be static or for us to get stuck in one place. That God is actually moving us forward in life. And what the prophet is saying is that I want to know what God is saying to me 
in this season of life, and this should be our desire. Um, and let's continue reading. It says, and I, and I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So the prophet was desiring the will of God, the voice of God, the vision of God for his life and, and for Israel. And then what did God say? Hey, write the vision down, make it plain so that the person who sees the vision can run with it. So that's why we want you to write some things down that God would be uh, what our expectation is for this series is that God is going to be speaking things to your heart. Um, and this is why we have note paper in general, because when we come together on a Sunday morning, our expectation, our prayer every Sunday is for God to be speaking to your heart as we're reading the scriptures, as we're ministering the word, as we're singing, uh, that God will be saying things to you. And we want you to write those things down so you don't lose them, so you don't forget it. And that's what God said to the prophet. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to say something to you, but I want you to write it down. So that you can run with it because that's what God wants for our lives. He wants us to run forward. He doesn't want us to be stuck like we talked about last week. Last week we talked about the idea that we can get stuck in life. We can get stuck being afraid of the future and then also being hindered by our past. So last week I had you uh, write a bunch of stuff down and then to leave it behind. And the, uh, if you missed the message, you can listen to it online. Uh, but the idea was that I asked everybody, and this, these were the cards, and so I, I told people that they had three choices. They could throw the card out, they could put it up here at the front, sort of representing leaving it before God, or to take it home and burn it to get rid of their past. Now, like I said last week, I didn't read any of these. Uh, these things are between you and God, and I taped them together. But I just, I brought them uh, this morning for those of you that did leave these things behind. I want to make sure that you left them behind, right? You didn't pick them back up, did you? When you left after Sunday morning, you thought, oh, and then struggle. No, the idea is that we left these things behind so that our past wouldn't hinder us anymore, that we would actually move to the things that God has for us. God is always moving us forward. He gives us a vision, something we see, something he puts in front of us so that we can move to the vision. And this is how we should operate in God. And this is how we should operate in life. Now, this is where we finished up last week. Proverbs chapter four, verse 25 says this, look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Now, as we read the scripture, we all know that we've made mistakes in, in this area, right? We haven't always uh, walked the straight and narrow as it were. We haven't always stayed on the path that God has laid out for us. Sometimes we got distracted. Sometimes we made silly choices. And then we kind of got off the path. But God wants us to get back on the path. God wants us to discover his ways and know his vision for our lives. He's, he's not angry at you. He doesn't hate you this morning because you've stepped off the path. But he does want to reveal to you again the vision that he has for your life. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So what we're talking about in this series is embracing a life of vision. God paints a picture for us of the future that he wants for us. 
So how is it that we know what God is saying? How do we understand what the voice of God is? We're going to talk about that here in a second. But when we're embracing a life of vision, what does it mean for us as we embrace a life of vision? Because what is God going to do? He's going to reveal it to us. He wants us to write it down so that we can run with it, that we can move forward in life. So when we embrace a vision, a life full of vision, God's vision for our life, it's the same thing as embracing a life of change. It's not a bunch of sameness that God wants us to walk in. He wants us to be moving forward. The life isn't going to stay the same. You are getting older. Your, your children are getting old, older. Your career is moving forward. Your education is moving in a forward direction. So all of those things being true, that God has something new for us every day, something that he wants us to walk in as we move to the vision that he has for us. When we embrace vision, that means we're embracing change. And we should also want the dreams and visions that we have to be based in God, not just something we dream up on our own, that we should desire and want God's plans and purposes for our lives, that God has gifted you and given you certain talents and has placed things on the inside of you for a reason in this time in 2018, you weren't born in the wrong century. You were born now for a reason and a purpose in the kingdom of God. We should all want to know what that is. And that affects us in every area of life. It affects us with our family and what we do on our jobs and the choices that we make. But God has something for you to do from the kingdom of God now. So we want to embrace uh, the God visions that he has for us. Uh, what, and when we think about vision, just understanding what a vision before we get to the how to accomplish the vision, that vision starts with what, not how. Vision starts with, well, what is the vision, not how do we get the vision. Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. How do we move to the vision? But if you, if you are a detailed person, um, you can get bogged down in the how. Now, thank God for detailed people. I'm married to a detailed person. We have a bunch of uh, detailed people on staff at the church because if we didn't have those detailed people, our church would be a mess. I am not necessarily a detailed person. I'm kind of a big picture person. But if you are a detailed person, you can get bogged down in the how. Well, how are we going to do it? Well, here's a vision. But what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Hey, we, we love you, how people. But we'll deal with that later, all right? First, you need to know what is the vision. How do I? Well, what is the vision? Make it plain, write it down so that we can run with it. Now, there are steps to the vision. But you don't want to dismiss the vision because you don't know how today. That's what I'm saying. Vision starts with what? What is the vision? What is the thing that God is showing to you? What is God's future for your life? So what is that vision? And then if we're going to pursue a great vision for our lives, which I believe we should want to, because a God vision is a great vision, we're going to need great faith. It's not just me doing the vision, it's God's vision, so I need God's help to do God's vision, so I need great faith. I need to have faith in God to, as he moves me to this place, as he moves me to the what that he has for me in every area of life, each step of the way, each day, I want to have great faith 
in a great God. So as we pursue a great vision, we need great faith. And then this other thing, as, we living, as we're living a life of vision, don't abandon your vision because of a failed plan. Don't abandon your vision because of a failed plan. So here, once again, a plan is kind of sometimes the steps to get us to the vision. And then sometimes something doesn't work. I, I make a bad choice on the way to the what that God has for me. And then sometimes some people just abandon the vision for their lives because they get sidetracked or somebody uh, disturbs the vision or somebody comes against the vision and so they stop. So we don't want to abandon the vision because of a failed plan. And then embracing a godly vision means that you leave other things behind. If I'm embracing what God has for me, I leave other things behind. I'll give you this example. Men, husbands, if God has given you a wife, you leave all of the other women behind. This is the godly vision. She's a vision of love. Don't make me sing the song. And so our, our vision becomes laser-focused on how to love this woman who God has given to me. He's given me the, the most beautiful bride in the world, and all the husbands said, dudes, I'm trying to help you out this morning. Come on now. So my love and my focus and my attempt at understanding women only has to do with one, because it would be way too challenging to understand more than one. Because one is so complex and so beautiful and so American that I just don't have time for any other women. So when we embrace God's vision, what are we doing? We're leaving a bunch of other stuff behind. You understand what I'm saying. And so when we think about a vision too, when we think about what God has for us and moving to the vision that we got to start, we got to start moving to the vision. Someone said one time that the best time to have planted a tree was 25 years ago. The second best time is today. We got to start. We got to start moving to the vision that God has for us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has a race for each one of you to run and it's not somebody else's race. It's not somebody on Instagram whose feed you love. God doesn't want you to live their life. He wants you to live your life. He's got a race set for you. And how are we going to run that race? With perseverance. In other words, we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up when it gets hard and it gets difficult because moving to the vision is not always easy. But God wants us to persevere in the race that he set before us. And this is our desire. God, what is the race you want me to run? What is the vision that you have for my life? How do we know what the voice of God is? As it relates to our vision. 
Now, one of my Bible school instructors, he, he said this when, along these lines. He, ta- he said this. He said, decisions determine direction, and direction determines destiny or destinations. That decisions determine direction, and then direction determines destiny. So we are wanting to move to God's decisions, or God's destiny for our lives, rather. So how are we going to get there? We're going to have to decide something so that we move towards what God has for us. Not just being stagnant, not staying still, but moving towards the destiny that God has for us. So how do I understand the voice of God? How do I know what God is saying to me? Now, this is very confusing for a lot of people. How do I hear the voice of God? I'm, you know, and I'm, maybe we've all done this. If you've grown up in church, you're kind of like, at night, you know, it's like, okay, God, if you're really real, God, I want you to, I want to actually hear with my physical ears, your voice go. And then what happens? Silence. And then we're like, I don't know if I can hear the voice of God. And then we see in the scripture, sometimes these very amazing events happened. And then we're somehow, uh, maybe it's, it's a confusing thing. Well, how do I actually hear the voice of God? And then some people will think, you know, I, maybe I just need to go to a prophet. And then maybe I need to find like someone who, you know, is a man of God. And I need to call 1-800-PROPHET. So that somebody will say to me what God has for me. Here's some news for you. What God has for you is not in somebody else's head or heart. It is actually in your heart. The scripture tells us that the spirit of God indwells you. He has made his home within you, the scripture says. So the voice of God, the plans of God are not somewhere else. Well, I got to travel to such and such and city to hear so and so preacher, famous preacher, and then I will know the voice of God. No, no, no. Forget all of that. God is right here all of the time. He is speaking and he's showing it. And like I said uh, last week, the problem is never with God. The issue is always with us. God is always speaking. Are we tuned in to what he's saying? So how do I tune in to what God is saying? Now, the scripture helps us so much in these areas. So let's turn here to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. And it says this. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. Come knowledge and understanding. What does the Lord give? Wisdom. From his mouth, in other words, what he says, knowledge and understanding. So we see these three things as it relates to the voice of God for you. What does it sound like? It sounds like wisdom, it sounds like understanding, and it sounds like knowledge. Wisdom. What, what defines wisdom? Now, when we think about wisdom... A lot of it has to do with the future. But specifically, what we're talking about today is what I'm doing today and what I choose today make a decision that gets me going in a direction that gets me to my destiny. So what I'm choosing today, I want to make a wise choice. Listen, a wise choice is the voice of God. That I would understand something, that I would have knowledge And what do we need to do instead of sitting in our bed trying to hear something audible that we know that God is already speaking something from his mouth? And what does it sound like? It sounds like wisdom. So when I'm thinking about what wisdom is, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God for his wisdom for my life. Why? Because his mouth 
is always speaking. And then I can tell, and we know, we have enough experience in life to look at our own lives and, and decisions and choices that we've made, that some that have turned out good, and then some choices and things that we made, and we're like, oh, we look back, and I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have said that. Has anyone ever had those moments? And so what does that mean? It means in the moment you actually knew what you were doing was not a wise choice, but you did it anyway. And we can look at other people's lives and we can see choices that they made. And, and then what happened at the end of that choice? So God is speaking with wisdom. So for me to know what the voice of God is or what the vision of God is, it's going to sound like wisdom. It's going to sound like me making good choices today that move me to the destination that God has for me, that God is painting a picture for me. And really, it's not as hard as you think. It's not as hard as you think to know what are... So I, I gave the example, guys a second ago about, hey, if you're married and this is your girl and this is the target of your affection. What is a not wise choice on that road? Let's just, let's just, let's just make it as simple as possible. Flirting with other girls this is not a good choice. Is it, ladies, wives, anybody on my side this morning? That's not a good choice. So there's wise choices to make that are going to move me to the destination, to the vision that God has for me. So I can know what the voice of God is. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me, sorry, whoever finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, talking about wisdom. All who hate me, talking about wisdom, love death. So we don't want to hate wisdom. We want to love wisdom because it is the voice of God. All right, so we're going to do a little bit of uh, practice today as it relates about deciding how do I know what the vision of God. So now is your time. So you've got to get your pens ready. You've got to get your paper ready, and we're going to write some stuff down. Now, when I looked up uh, the word vision, I love this. Vision means a heavenly journey. It's a journey. It doesn't mean that you have a vision. It doesn't mean you're going to walk in the fullness of it tomorrow. But there is a journey to the destination. Okay, so here's the first thing we're going to talk about. What is the vision for you and the healthiest version of your body? Now, we know from the scripture that Jesus is a healer, that he walked around doing ministry and healing people. And so we know God's intention for us is to be well. So we don't want to fight against the intentions of God by our practices, do we? No, we, we want to cooperate with God. So what is, what is that just maybe just close your eyes for a second. Can you picture the healthiest version of your body? You know, with like 
six-pack going on, like strong arms or something like that. Can you see it? Can you see yourself? That's a vision. So the question is now, here's for all the detailers, can help us get it done. How do you get there? Because we're not there today, are we? (laughs) Not in its fullness. Maybe we're on the road there. So how do we get there? How do we get to the healthiest version of myself? Something has to do with food, right? Is everybody enjoying church today? (laughs) Some of it has to do with food, right? So is the food I'm eating, here's the where the wise choices come in. Is the food that I'm eating taking me on the steps, taking me on to the journey of the vision of the healthiest part or my healthiest version of myself? And then, then maybe it might be there's some sort of exercise involved. Now, I'm not a professional in any of these areas, so I don't, I'm not your consultant. You know, consult somebody online, and there's, there's somebody that can, there's doctors and all these people that can help you, that can help you move to the vision you see. Not everybody liked that one. All right, let's move to the next one. All right, here's the next one. So, right, so you wrote that one down. You wrote healthy me or a healthy body, however it's going to work for your mind. And if you don't want to populate all of the hows today or if you're mad at me, whatever, you can do it later. Okay, the next thing we're going to write down is family. So either you're in a family right now or you have a vision for a family. Okay, what, what, is, what is the vision that you see as it relates to your family right now. And so there, there's some work to do, right? See, here, part of, the, part of the thing that happens to us when we start thinking along these lines, part of the reality is we actually have to identify where we are. I'm here and I want to go there, but you got to be honest with yourself. I'm here, this is where I am. And it might not be a great place. But a vision, embracing a godly vision for our lives, helps us to move from where we are to where God wants us to be. So what is it that I want for my family? Now we're going to talk about relationships later in this series. But family encompasses so many different things. So what is it that I desire? What is it that I see, which is a vision, what is it that I see for my family? And you don't have to populate this list right now. You can do it later. But how am I going to get there? What are the steps that I need to take to get there? What are the steps that I need to take to mend that relationship? Well, I need them to stop being an idiot. No, 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 no. What are the steps you need to take? So what do we see for our family? What do we see? Here's another thing to write down. What do you see for your finances? What is the godly dream for your finances? You know, the scripture says, without a vision, people perish. This is why we're talking about vision today. We, we don't want to be dying in our lives in all of these areas. We actually want to know what God has for us so that we can move there. 
So our, our finances, if you, if you find yourself maybe in a debt situation and you think, but I have a dream for this. So what are, what are some of the steps you need to do to get to the place where you're out of debt, let's say? Or where you, maybe you're not in debt and, and you want to see yourself more generous. Well, how, how do I get to that place where I'm more generous? You know, one of the things I said in first service, you know, if you, if you are struggling with a debt situation, you know, one of, the, one of the steps that you need to take is stop spending money you don't have. Can I get an Amen. And that's hard to do sometimes if you have a habit of spending money you don't have, but if you're going to creating yourself more debt and God, does, is that the thing that God wants for your finances or does he have another vision for you to walk in? And once we establish what God's vision is for that area of my life, I'm going to keep it out in front of me and then what am I going to do? I'm going to write it down and I'm going to move towards it. My career. You know, if you're, if you're working in the mailroom and you see yourself, I want to be president of this company. As an example, I'm not saying everybody has to be president of every company you work for. That's not my point. My point is this. If there's a gap between where you are now and where you see yourself to be, how do you get there? What are the steps that you have to take? What are the courses you need to take? What is it you need to learn? Is there somebody that you can get with who's better at your job than you are so that you can learn to move to where God wants you? But do you, can you see it? What is the dream that you have for your career? What is the thing that God has placed in your heart? That's the vision. And then we're going to write down some steps. Why? so that we can run towards the future that God has for us. Now, when we think about vision, when we think about living life this way, here's some thoughts for you, and then we're going to finish with a quick story from the scripture. Some of the thoughts as it relates to living by vision is we can't stay here. Once I identify where I am and then some things that I'm thinking about that God is showing me, that God is moving, uh, moving me towards, I can't stay here. I have to move forward. Another thing that we see as it relates to vision is that my dreams aren't just for me. When we see the call of God to Abraham, what was it? Uh, I'm going to bless you so that I'm going to make you a blessing. Here is a way to help us to identify godly dreams. That godly dreams aren't just for me. They actually include others. What can I do for others? And the other thing we talked about, living by vision, is you're going to have to take steps. And we call them goals sometimes. But really, it's taking steps towards the vision that God has for you. And our steps, the scripture says, are ordered by the Lord. And then the last thing today that we're going to talk about as it relates to living by vision, is that there is going to be opposition to your vision. There's going to be people who come against your vision. There's a very famous story in the Old Testament. It's a story of a guy named Nehemiah. Now, the story took, takes place about 450 B.C., 
And it's one of those times when the children of Israel had been dispersed and, you know, someone was occupying their territory and the Persians were there and a bunch of the people had been taken captive to different places. And there was a guy named Nehemiah who was working for the Persian king. He was the cupbearer to the king. And what does that mean? Cupbearer to the king means you drink before the king drinks just in case it's poison and then you die and then the king doesn't die. This is a great job. So this was who Nehemiah was. He was cupbearer for the Persian king. And what, one of the things that he started to realize is that, that down back in Jerusalem, where they had been, they'd been gone for about 150 years, that all of the walls around Jerusalem had been broken down. And so Nehemiah started to get a vision to build the walls. And when we see this story, it helps us to understand so much about living by vision. So Nehemiah chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, let's turn over there. If you are a detailer, as I mentioned, this, this book is for you. There are so many details in the book of Nehemiah about who worked on what part of the wall and how many people were there. You'll love it. Go nuts with it this afternoon. Um, Nehemiah chapter 4, or sorry, Nehemiah chapter 2 says this, uh, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, um, when wine was before him, he took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad? Seeing you are not sick, this is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face be sad? When the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. So sometimes here is the beginning of a vision, a dissatisfaction with the way things are. A dissatisfaction with the way things are, with my family, with my finances, with my health. And these things can become a beginning of vision or that these things can be a catalyst for us to understand what the vision of God is for our lives. Verse 4, then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, if you send me to Judah, the city of, of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. So what is the vision? The vision is that I am going to rebuild the walls. The walls are broken down. The walls are not how they should be, but I want to rebuild it. I want to rebuild it. Moving to your vision takes work. Moving to your vision is not easy. What is Nehemiah? I see this. I I want to rebuild it and and I'm ready to work. I'm ready to work to go towards the vision. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me that I had a time. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me of the governors of the provinces beyond the river and that that they would let me pass through until I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple. So what is Nehemiah asking for from the king? He's like, yeah, great idea. Thank you for letting me go. But hey, before I go, can you give me a letter to help me get through this part of the land? And then also I need another letter to help me to rebuild the walls from the supplier of the materials. I love it. 
He's making plans. Well, I'm going to rebuild the walls. What do I need? Well, I need access to the land. And then I need materials to rebuild the walls. So he's asking letters for the king to help him to do this. And the wall of the city and for the house that I should occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for. For the good hand of my God was upon me. Everybody say that. The good hand of my God is upon me. This is what Nehemiah thinks about as he moves to the vision that God has for him. The good hand of my God is upon me. Why? I'm moving to God's vision for my life, not just what I would want and what I could dream up. This is what I see, vision, that what God has for me, the good hand of God is upon me. He is moving me to this place. I want to fulfill the plans and purposes of God for my life. And the good hand of God is upon me. Man, that makes all of the difference in the world. Your attitude and your understanding about the goodness of God, then that he's helping you. It's his vision, and he's helping you to move to the vision. He's ordering your steps. He's leading you and guiding you. His favor is upon you. Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, like we said, you have a dream. When you have a dream and a vision, what is there going to be? There's going to be opposition. There's going to be critics. There's going to be people along the way who aren't doing anything in life. And they're mad at you for doing something. They're mad at you for working hard. They're mad at you for planning and thinking ahead. And then they just criticize you. So here, Nehemiah has got a godly vision. God's on his side. God is helping him. And then we see the critics show up here in Nehemiah chapter 4. It says, when Sanballat... I mean, he just sounds like a jerk, doesn't he? If your name is Sanballat in here today, I apologize. It's unlikely. But Sanballat, he's just a critic. He's just a jerk. A jerk in the Bible. Sanballat heard that they were building the wall. He became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And this is what I would say about your vision. You have to be careful who you listen to as you move towards your vision. And especially you don't want to listen to the critics. The critics have nothing good to say. They're cynical, they're angry, they're hurt, they're disappointed. But here, Nehemiah's got a vision from God. He's moving to the vision that God has for him, and then a critic shows up. And in the presence of his associates, and in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life? Those heaps of rubble burned as they are. Skip down to verse 19. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. The work is extensive. Here you are today. The vision is over here. This is extensive. 
There's a lot to do. But what else are you going to do? If not to move to the vision that God has for your life, what is the purpose of your life if not that? Are we just going to do what culture tells us to do? How much more of an adventure is it to understand and know what the voice of God is for your life, what the vision of God is for your life, and to move to that? The work is extensive, but it is always worth it. Doing the work to move to the vision that God has for you is always worth it. It's always worth your effort. It is always worth your time. It is always worth your intention. And this is what Nehemiah knew knew about moving to the vision that God had for him. Uh, The work is extensive and it's spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. So they're rebuilding the wall. There's a bunch of them and they're all spread out. And this is what it says. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Listen, so we continued the work with with half of the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out, holding spears. In other words, they are ready to fight. They're working and then they're ready to fight. We're ready to fight the critics. If you're moving to the vision that God has for you, there will be people who will show up and you, and you know, like, hey, I had this dream about my finances. And you'd be like, oh, whoa. You know, my brother tried that. And, you know, he, he tried, he had this dream. He's on welfare today. Same exact dream you have. And, and his wife left him. And his kids unfriended him on Facebook. You know, but I guess that that's your dream. Go for it. You got to be ready to fight for your dreams. And you got to work for your dreams and ready to fight against the critics and the things coming against you and the people coming against you and the words coming against you. And you have to have a conviction in your heart. You got to know that this is what God wants for your family. And you got to be ready to fight for your family and not let anything come against the dream that God has given to you for your family. I'm working, but I'm ready to fight. Last thing, Nehemiah 6 verse 1 says, Now when Sanballat the jerk... And Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall. They did it. They rebuilt the wall in 52 days. And there was no breach left in it. Although at that time I had not set up the doors. They had fixed the walls, but they hadn't set up the gates. Sanballon and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at that place in the plan of Ono. But they said... But they intended to do me harm. These same critics who come against you as you move to your dream. They're going to be there at the end to ridicule, to do you harm. But man, you got to stay ready to fight for the vision that God has given to you. For your family, for your finances, for your career. 
for all of the aspects of life that we discussed and all the ones that we haven't. What, are the, what did he, so they, they sent him, they wanted to do him harm, verse 3. And he sent messengers saying to them, I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave and come down to you? I am not going to lower myself to the critics and to the people who say you can't do it. And for the people that are aiming for mediocrity and second place, I want to go after the vision that God, I'm doing a great work raising my kids. I'm doing a great work planning for my future. I'm doing a great work in my career. I'm not coming down to you. Moving ourselves to the vision that God has for us. What should we do? Write it down. Make it plain. So that you can run with the vision that God has for your life. Let's just pray this morning. God, we are so thankful for your word today. We are so thankful for all that you have for us. We are so thankful, Lord, for all of your plans and purposes. For my health, for my family, for my finances, for my career, for my education. For all of the things that you want to do through me in my life. God, we want to know your vision. We want to know your wisdom and your voice for all of these areas. God, and we purpose to take it to heart. We purpose to write it down. We purpose to be intentional with what you have for us. We don't set it aside. But God, we want to walk in your path. We want to walk in your ways. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.